it's so important that we uh, try to think rightly, um, of course, about the faith, but it, but reality and 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 the rest. And so, um, just like last week, allow me to make a distinction, which I think proves very helpful. I've made this distinction many times before, but it bears oft repeating. There is a difference between fairness and justice. They are not the same thing. Fairness is each one of the kids get the same amount of presents at Christmas because you know what happens if that doesn't happen. (laughs) Everybody gets the same. Justice is people get what they are owed. And what they are owed places a moral obligation on the one who owes it to them. So, uh, you know, you think of the justice that, you know, exists between a contract. You know, you, you pay this amount to get this service or product, right? You're obliged to pay the amount that you've agreed upon, and the one who supplies the product or the service is obliged to provide the service for which they were paid. Justice works as a matter of morality. People are owed certain things. Fairness is not necessarily, and really not at all, an issue of morality. And so when we hear, the, especially the gospel today, and, and we hear also many other scriptural references, it is clear that God is saying, I am not fair. You hear that and you think, well, wait a second, God isn't fair? Obviously, he's not. And that's exactly what he's saying today. Right? Why, why do some people get sick and die earlier than others? Why are some people born into the situations they are? Why, you know, we could go on and on and on. And the thing that we have trouble with, especially with God, but also with other people, and even in society, is we conflate fairness and justice. So even uh, the establishment of America, which of course, um, you know, in the Constitution itself, does not protect fairness. It does not seek to protect that everyone get the same thing. It seeks to protect, though, that everyone have the same opportunity and that there should be no bias in that opportunity, right? And so the, the whole question of equal rights and and, and uh, the question that many people are debating right now regarding you know, racism, it's very important in our nation to continue to look at these concepts because our nation was founded on the principle that everyone is created equal and therefore should all have the same opportunity. And if they don't, well, we ought to seek to fix that. But that doesn't mean that everybody will get the same thing in the end. So... Imagine this. Imagine you have to go in for surgery. And there you're laying in the bed and the surgeon comes in and introduces themselves. And, you, and you, you know, all right, so you've been a surgeon for how long? Uh, just, you know, a couple weeks. Oh, how'd you do in school? Well, not so good. Well, how'd you get into that school? Well, I'm Irish, and so, you know, they didn't have enough Irishmen. So here I am to to pull out your... I can't think of anything. It's horrible when a joke goes bad. 
you know. I'm going to take out your appendix now, so don't you worry about it. I went to a wonderful, all right, so the whole reason he got in was because of fairness, not of justice. He didn't earn it, but because we needed more Irish doctors to make it fair, the poor Irish, I'm picking the Irish because it's absurd. You can extrapolate. <laughs> so the only reason you're a doctor is because we didn't have enough Irish? Yeah, I just thought it'd be fun. Okay, great. Can I have a different doctor? You know, we want people, especially in certain professions, who not only had the opportunity, which is very important, but that they were also qualified. And some people are not qualified, and they don't make it. And you might say, well, that's not fair, but it's probably not even unfair, but it's certainly not unjust that bad doctors don't remain doctors. They ought not to. Justice and fairness. Now, we look at God, and today he's basically talking about salvation. That's the parable. Who gets to go to heaven? And to get to go to heaven, he, he uses this metaphor of working in his vineyard. In other words, you know, uh, if we were to sort of concretize this or make it more modern, you know, the people who were hired at the beginning of the day, they're the ones who went to church their whole lives. They don't miss mass on Sunday. They go to confession when they need to. They tithe generously to their parish. <laughs> you know, they... They did all the right things since they were just, you know, from the very beginning. And then you get the knucklehead who's almost dead. I've met him. I go and anoint him. And boom, there's this turnaround at the end. And he didn't do anything good his whole life. Well, you know, it's a fictional person. Let's say he didn't really do all that much good his entire life. Basically what God is saying is they both get to go to heaven so long as they turn to him by the end. That's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair, if you will, that you only get the same reward as the person who didn't do anything. You know, in the early church, um, so the sacraments have, have changed in their practice over the centuries. From the very beginning, the apostles, the bishops, understood that Jesus had given them authority to forgive sin. That is clear and without a doubt, it's in all the writings. And they acted that way as well, that they could forgive sins. But in the early church, there wasn't this understanding that confession was repeatable. At the very, very beginning, they just thought you could only do it once. And during this time of what's called canonical penance, the penances were really, really hard. So, you know, pick your general mortal sin, you confess it, and then guess what your penance is? You get to stand outside a church for 20 years in sackcloth and ashes and beg for forgiveness as everybody comes in. I mean, if we think confession lines are short now, <laughs> So what did people do? They didn't get baptized. They're like, well, I'm going to wait. Constantine himself did the same thing. They're like, I'm not going to do that because they were hedging their bets. There was no way they could live their lives without sinning. So they waited to the end. 
They waited till their deathbed to be baptized, which forgives all sin, right? And, and, but then also they lived their entire lives without receiving the Eucharist, you know, without being Christian. And so when a person looks and says, well, you know, who are these new people just coming into the church? Or why should they get to go to heaven? Or why should they get a better or the same kind of heaven or the same reward as, as me? This may not be fair, but it is just. And the reason it's just is because God has set the terms on salvation. He's the one who offers salvation, and he's the one who determines who gets to go. Another interesting thing to consider about this is we often think of God and salvation in terms of Santa Claus, that there's a naughty list and a nice list, and you got to get on the nice list to get to heaven. But that's not really how God seems to convey salvation. Very often, God conveys those who go to heaven as those who wanted to, like a banquet where many people were invited and some were just too busy and they didn't want to come. So he said, all right, well, then who does want to come? Well, all the bad people. There's all these bad people, you know, it's in the parable. I'm paraphrasing. Let them in. Okay. And they came in. They got to go. The people who go to heaven, it seems, are not the ones who sinned the least, but the ones who desired God the most. And very often, the biggest sinners have the greatest recognition of their need for God. There's probably people in here thinking, I don't deserve heaven. I mean, I don't mean me. Well, there might be people thinking that. <laughs> but you know, you might be thinking, sitting there thinking, God isn't going to let me get into heaven. I've done too many you know, wrong things or I've sinned too many times in my life. That's not how he says it works. Where is your desire? Do you desire to be with God for all of eternity? Do you desire Jesus Christ? Do you love Jesus Christ even though you keep doing the same thing over and over? Even though you can't get past the, the sins that have plagued you your whole life? It's that desire for God that opens up a space for him to fill. So it's not necessarily the best. Very often the best, presumably are the best, are a bit deluded about the reality of themselves. It's really important we don't judge ourselves. That's Jesus' job. And he just wants us. He just wants us to turn to him, even if that's in the end. And, you know, when we think about our our family members especially. So many parents grieve their children and grandchildren. Uh, you know, their children who, who are not going to Mass, um, their, their grandchildren who aren't yet baptized, and you know, I mean, all that stuff. Everybody has that in their families. And oftentimes there's so much fear and angst, you know, on the part of those who know the truth and those who don't seem to or seem to be following the truth. I, I truly believe that God is going to find a way 
and that even the smallest amount of desire on the part of a person for God, he will turn in to a flaming, blazing fire. That in the end, God knows how to do this. This is all his plan. It's all his fault anyway. It is. You think about it. He started it all. He probably has got it figured out. So let's trust him. And that doesn't mean, well, Father, you're saying I don't have to go to church now until I'm near death. <laughs> There's someone asking that question right now. I've already anticipated that. When you find the truth, this is the, the whole pearl of great price. When you find the truth, you can't let it go. When you find the Eucharist, you can't stay away. And it doesn't matter how imperfect the church is, imperfect the priests are, or the bishops are. All that stuff is, is really, you know, kind of to the side, ultimately. When we find Jesus Christ, we can't let him go. And why would we not want to live in his love as much as we can for as long as we can?